Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, Mandy. Oh, I apologize. <laughs> and this is Brown, Brown Ambition. Ambition. So, Mandy, guess what I did like uh, last Thursday? The thing that I've been talking about for a year and a half. Um, 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 uh, uh rock climbing. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, this is a bad guess. <laughs> I closed on my house. Oh my god, I could weep. Congratulations! Thank you. I'm gonna pretend it- like I didn't already know that. <laughs> So it was so great closing, like, because we paid cash. So it was literally just a signature. It was less than two minutes. And then we had to wire the money, um, which was a little nerve wracking because right now there's like, um, I guess like, you know, hackers are really at an all time high for hacking into like mm-hmm. law offices or like um, title companies and sending you an email from them saying, hey, Tiff, actually, this is where you're supposed to wire the money. And people are getting their money stolen because once they send the wire, that's it. Like, even my bank, when we went to wire the money, they were like, are you sure this is the right people? Because we, if this is the wrong person, there's nothing to do we, that we can do to retrieve that money. Mm, that's so, terrifying. Okay. So, yeah. So, there's nothing you can do to retrieve that money. So, what you can do is that you have, you get the instructions emailed to you, but then you call the actual, like, go to your, don't call the number on the instructions, but call the number that you know of your lawyer or your your, your title company, like go to their website, pull the real number, call and say, hey, I'm here. Let's go over the account number and the um, routing number again. So that way we can confirm that it actually came from you and then you should be good to go. So that's what we did. And we're good to go. We own ourselves a house. What's next? I mean, are you starting renovations right away? You're going to move in? So I'm not going to lie. We were super freaked out. Like, what do we do? Like, we just looked at it for two days and like, so then I took it to what I always do, social media. And I was like, you know, I really want to work with a designer because honestly, I don't know what to do. We want to renovate. So a lot of people sent um, suggestions in and we actually met this amazing design and construction couple. Um, the wife is a designer and has her design degree and husband is project manager in construction and also a licensed um, um, carpenter. And uh, so he works for like, he worked for like Bloomberg and, and, um, works for a huge $50 million, like, uh, like a real estate development company. And she's worked for like Rutgers Newark and Wyndham for design. And so just like, and what I love is that they're actually starting, they want to start their own business. And she's like, even though we have years of experience working for these major organizations, we want to do it for ourselves. So we'd like to barter. I'm like, you, you add me at barter. (laughs) And so she was like, we'd love to barter and we'd love to basically mentor you through the process in exchange for helping us like get financially ready to start a business and then shouting our business out on social media. I'm like, yes, girl. So they came uh, just this past weekend. Um, We went to their house first to see their style because he did their whole house top to bottom and it was amazing. And I loved it. Um, And so we went to their house, me and um, Superman, to see their style. And then they came to our house and just walked through with us and kind of gave some suggestions and we kind of worked out like a bartering deal and they're the same age as us and they're so dope. I mean, aside from this, they're like our new friend couple. I, we love them. Um, so we're excited to get started. Um, they gave us homework already. They were like, one of these pipes looks like it's wrapped in lead. So here's some numbers you can call to get tested. And here's another number to get it abated. And once that's done, we're, you know, we're going to, um, one of the things that I'm excited about is we're going to go room by room. Um, cause he's not going to do with the general contracting. Um, he's instead going to help us find a good general contractor and we're going to go room by room and figure out exactly what we want, how many outlets, 
what, how many light fixtures, flooring, whatever, and create a spreadsheet that we can then give to contractors to put bids on so we can compare apples to apples. And then we go from there. Gotcha. So they're like, you're like, they're like your consultant firm. Yeah. Like, okay, Which, that's cool. Yeah. And they're Which starting a business. So you're like one of their first clients. Exactly. We are their first client. So they're just like, hey, we do this in our regular jobs, but we want to do this for ourselves, but we're still figuring out what does that look like? So if you let us practice on you, then, you know, in exchange for that, you pay with your influence and sharing how, how dope we are. And I'm like, oh my gosh, heck yeah. <laughs> that would have been like a fee that we don't have to pay. And, and honestly, I don't know, like Superman and I really don't know what to do next. And I was afraid about hiring a contractor and being ripped off. So now I don't have to worry because he's like, no, I know exactly how much things cost. Like I bid out multi-million dollar projects. So no one's going to get over on you as a result of that. I'm like, yes. Awesome. Well, that's uh, congratulations just Bye. on closing. What about you? Where are you in your closing process? We are, I mean, we're approved. The loan is ready to go. We're just waiting on the sellers to move out because they currently live there. Um, okay. So we could we could close like tomorrow, but we're giving them till the first week of April. And then we should be closing April 10th. Woohoo! Look at you. We have to... We have to have like um uh, like a housewarming party so we can do housewarming jumping like come Listen, this way. <laughs> I cannot wait to have every party, every sleepover, every I want all the events because I'm like I paid enough for this house. I'm gonna use the hell out of this house. <laughs> I'm like anyone want to get married in my house? <laughs> come on down. We actually were so creepy. We went. We, oh, you know what we did this weekend? This was a great idea. If you're, and I don't know if they have these in Jersey. They probably have them somewhere. But so we're moving to a county in um, just north of Manhattan, and they actually have a local home show, which is essentially it's a big. It's at the local city center, like the local city convention center, and they have all these local vendors, like really like um, like popular contractors, roofing people, siding people, um, people who do fountains and landscaping. I mean, they had a tree special. Specialist. Um, Home Depot was there. They have all these vendors there, but actually who live in your lo- work in your local community. So you know they're licensed there. You know that they've actually done business where you are. And we just went from booth to booth and it was the nerdiest three hours of my life, but it was awesome. I mean, we, we asked all of the questions we had about, you know, the issues we think are happening with our house. We got a lot of good ideas for vendors we can reach out to. And a lot of the vendors we saw at the, at the home show are actually ones that I had found um, on Yelp and like Angie's list already. So it was really awesome to meet them in person. Um, Cause you can say, Hey, I saw you on like Angie's list, Angie's list, which is great. You have good reviews, but I could talk to you and have a conversation and see if there's like a good vibe or, you know, see that you exist and yeah. like you're a human. Um, it was fun. It was really educational too. And it wasn't like a high pressure sales kind of thing where, you know, honestly, here's a tip. If you go to a home show and you don't want to be bothered, just tell me you don't have a house yet. Cause I mean, when the Sears lady ran up to me, like, Oh my God, are you, do you have a house? And I was like, no, Sears lady, I don't have a house yet. And she just like turned around. Um, but we loved it. It was fun. And I feel like we have a head start on actually finding people that are local to our area. I even found out what my tree is in the front yard. He was like, Oh yeah, it's a crimson maple. They live for 50 years. And I told him that the the current sellers have been there for 40 years. So he was like, okay, here's how you're going to get the next 10 years and like maximize the life and yada, yada. It was dope. No, that's awesome. It's like, it's just, you know, it's so crazy because I feel like we're like, it, our lives are like following this path of like, wait, I, you know how like um, when you're around somebody long enough, you start looking like them. I feel like the longer we're friends, the more our lives are becoming more similar. Like, you got married Sunday You got a house Sunday you know? All right. Well, don't start doing drugs. I know. Oh, wait. Hold on. <laughs> Well, you know, they say the people you surround yourself with, you're like the average of the five people yes. you talk to most. I mean, I talk to you more than my own mom, mom right? sometimes. So <laughs> you're like, I have a stay, right? I don't have a standing, <laughs> standing like uh, appointment with my mom every week. I'm like, but I do have one with you. Well, speaking of my mama, I actually hung out with her this morning. So mama, um, Alice decided that she wants to retire a little bit early. Yes. Um, um, not not so much early, really just a year earlier than official, official retirement, but she's just over it, which I get. She's a school nurse. And your dad's and been retired too, so she's watching him enjoy life. What? Yo, I <laughs> called her the other day because she was texting me, which I'm like, who taught you how to text on that iPhone? So she was texting me at like 930, which normally she'd be knocked out. And I'm like, why are you texting me? So I called her and she was like, I don't have to go to work. She's on um, sick leave time now. And I'm, she was like, and it's the best feeling ever to know that the sun will wake me up. I was like, oh, she is so geeked to be home. <laughs> Um, but 
she asked me to help go through her finances and it was another beast. I said, mommy, like we, she has so many different accounts from different places she worked. My dad has an IRA here, a Roth here. And so there were just so many things going on. I'm like, this is beyond the scope of what I know how to do. Um, and so I said, you know, let's sit down with a, a professional who, who's like, who really uh, focuses on this. And so she actually found one that she liked. She met with him twice and asked if I would come with her today. And I did. And what I liked about him already, he actually focuses on baby boomers and helping them get prepared for retirement. And so and these are the ways. So one, income. Like, so how are you going to be making money? Or not making money, but how is, you know, money going to be coming in? Two, social security. How do you maximize that? Three, long-term care. So eventually they'll get to an age where they cannot care for themselves. So what does that look like? And then four, health care. So what does their health care look like? So, you know, and so with all of these accounts, how do you stagger payments and how do you combine certain accounts and what does that look like? And so I sat with him and I was just blown away at um, one, he truly enjoys this work. You can tell. And two, he, which I love just was educating me. I mean, I took pages and pages of notes because you could just tell he, he couldn't believe he was like, I can't believe that you're interested in this. Most people just don't care. And he was like, he kept me there for two hours. Cause he was like, I'm so excited that you like care about the numbers and what it means. And, you know, so I mean, I think she chose really well. And I told her, I think, you know, this is a good choice. Let's move forward. So it's actually going to take about six meetings for him to go step by step to creating their plan. And the plans are made in five year blocks. That's how, how he likes to do it. Like the first five year of retirement, you know, what does that look like? The next five years, the next five years and the next five years. And um, I'm just excited for them to because they were thinking about selling their house um, because they were like, we don't know if we have enough. And I said, well, let's know for sure. Um, you know, let's, you have so many accounts, let's see what's really happening here. So I'm excited to one, learn more. And then two, just to make sure that they're okay, because they also need things like a will. I'm like, you don't have a will. My mom was like, we have one. I'm like, not the one you have when I was literally six, where it, says, <laughs> where it literally says my uncle Tony will be my guardian. I'm like, mom, you know? <laughs> and then like, will, and then I really want them to get, to see if they need a trust and lo- like long-term healthcare plan. Like, what does that mean? Like a, a living, what is that called? Um, a living directive. will or oh, yeah. a medical directive. Yes. Yeah. And so we're going to work on that too. So I'm just excited because it's like, I'm excited because this is what I do, but I'm actually getting to live it and then share it as I do it. So that way other people can benefit. Yeah. And I think that's just, it's nice that you guys are going through it together and and the fact that your parents, you know, your dad was a CFO and obviously they've been really good about their, their money, their whole lives, they've been saving. But even if you've been saving, there's more to it than just saving. You got to like strategize and that's where the experts come in. Exactly. And that's what I thought too. Cause I was like, cause my dad's like, I don't know what your mother's talking about. I got a plan. And when I look, <laughs> I'm like, you know, like, I'm like, wow, they have got a good amount of money, but I see it's different than just having money because it's like, well, well, where do you pull from first? And, and what, like all of these accounts, because my dad is also a really good investor. So what accounts do you, do you start to um, pull together? And, and, you know, do you wait to pull social security because you don't really need it now? And my mom, if she waits a couple of years, can actually get more. So there are all of these little, you know, like nuances that my dad has been done a really good job of like accumulating their assets. But now how do we disperse it in a way in a time like allocated way where it's like, okay, that it's going to last for the rest of your life. And so that's the point where I'm like, you know, you know, so like I said, I honestly like looking at it from like the high level, like looking at all the numbers, I'm like, there's, there seems to be more than enough here. It's just, how do we roll this out? You know? So my dad didn't come this time, but he's going to come next time. I was like, you know, cause I first, you know, cause he's like, what? I know these things. And then he was like, well, yes you know, I've, I've saved for us and I've invested for us, but you're right. What does come next? Because healthcare laws have changed. That has nothing to do with how much you've invested and saved, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm just excited for them because they're in a good position. Um, but by the end of this, they're going to be in a better position and I'm just going to have some step-by-step things that I think anyone who's preparing their, helping their parents prepare for retirement can do. So I'm really excited about the, the other end, which is like what I learned and what I can share. And that's a good opportunity to remind you guys, we're going to have an estate planning expert on the show in the next week or two. If you guys have questions about, you know, what do I need to have in place so that not just I'm taken care of, 
you know, as I, as I get older, but that my family is taken care of if something were to happen to me, like these scary words, like wills and estate plans and power of attorney, like this is a time to ask all the questions you guys have. Um, and we'll have this expert on in the next week or two to take those questions on the show. Yes, I'm super excited because Art is actually teaching a three-week course inside my Literature Academy too because she's like, this is so important and not enough brown women know like what to do as it relates to estate planning. So she's just a diamond. Art, we love you. Yeah, absolutely. And we have a guest on today's show too. We do. Surprise guest. She's actually one of you. We plucked her out of the, the Brown Ambition mailbox. Um, I'm really excited to have her on the show. Her name's Tasha Danielle. She's going to talk about her journey from being $80,000 in debt to being completely debt-free by age 30. It's pretty fantastic. And I've seen the receipts, y'all. I asked for them. She ain't yeah. lying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, 30 debt-free, and not just debt-free from like, oh, I owe 5000 but $80,000, that's that's tremendous. I can't wait to pick her brain to see, one, how did she get that much debt? And two, how did she get out of it? You'll find that out and more on today's edition of Brown Ambition. <laughs> As the world turns. <laughs> hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Every once in a while, you guys, I'm actually checking the Brown Ambition mailbox, which I read all of your fantastic letters. Sometimes I find stories that are really inspiring to me, and I know that this story is different, and we got to have this person on the show. Um, on today's show, I wanted to bring on a Brown Ambition listener who recently reached out to tell us her story because I just couldn't get out of my head. Um, and after talking to her on the phone, I knew it was going to resonate with so many of you guys. On today's show, we have Tasha Danielle. She's 31 years old, and she's a corporate accountant in Detroit, Michigan, and also the founder of Financial Garden. It's a financial literacy program that partners with Detroit area businesses and nonprofits to bring financial literacy to public schools. But her story goes so much deeper than that. In her early 20s, Tasha was $80,000 in debt, and she had a serious wake-up call and decided to start attacking her debt aggressively, so aggressively that by age 30, Tasha was totally debt-free. So we've asked Tasha to join the show and talk to you guys and us about her journey to debt freedom and how she is bringing that message now to kids in Detroit, her hometown. Tasha, thank you so much for coming on Brown Ambition. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so yes. excited to be with you ladies. Welcome, Tasha Danielle. I love a first name, first name. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So Tasha, tell me what made you reach out to us? Because not every day people think I'm just going to send an email to this podcast. Oh well, two two things. Um, first, I love the podcast and what you what you ladies represent, um, brown women that are you know on their grind, and you guys are you humanized talking about finances and your personal life story. So you know talking about being single and finding Mr. Right and getting married and buying help buying a first home. Um, so I just love the podcast and a friend suggested that I reach out and share my story. So I actually would love to hear your story and okay. you know how you went from where you were to where you are now. I'm sure a lot of people are, are, are $80,000 in debt, 20, 40, and it's really overwhelming. So how did you first get into that situation? Um, I got in this situation by going to college, 18 years old. How dare you? How dare you get an education? <laughs> An expensive one. I decided to go to a very expensive private college in Michigan. And at 18, I found the dotted line for those promissory notes. And I knew at that time I'll be graduating college with about $50,000 in debt. And that's exactly what happened. <laughs> um, so I graduated with about $50,000 in student loan debt. And I had a little bit of credit card debt with that. So I was, you know, close to $55,000 
at the age of 21 when I graduated from college. And the debt grew in my early 20s um, after graduation. I had to take a few more classes. I'm a certified public accountant. And so I had to take a few more um, college courses to be able to take that exam. So I had to take out another private student loan to pay for that. And then, you know, had to buy a new, a new used car. So by the age of 24, 25, I had $80,000 in debt. And I was just like, you know, oh my goodness. When did it feel, I, when did it feel to you like, when did you, because you know, sometimes it's hard, you know, you have a little bit, you have debt here, you have debt there. When did you look at the big picture and realize how deep you were? Uh, in 2011, okay. uh, when I when I really was like kind of feeling it, it slipping away from me. So, um, as growing up, I, my grandmother talked to me about finances, and you know I knew what credit score was, I knew what debt was, I knew exactly what I was signing up for before going to college. And I had a plan to when I graduate college, I'm gonna stay at home, pay this debt off. Then life happened. Um, I did get engaged in my senior year, um, right after college. And so um, starting a life with someone, I kind of wasn't like, I'm going to stay at home and do that. After we got engaged, we lived together. So I knew that that was there. And I kept saying, I'm going to work my plan, work my plan. And it, you know, it just grew. And once I hit the $80,000 mark, um, I had ended my engagement. And I kind of was just like, okay, something has to change. I was paying off my debt. You know, I was paying, I was making my student loan payment and everything on time. But I didn't, I, I no longer um, wanted to live that life. I heard Michelle Singletary speak at my church. Mm, I love her. And yeah, she is, she's amazing. The color and, of money. Yeah, for for those of you who don't know Michelle Singletary, why haven't we had her on the show? I've known her for years. She's a, she's at the Washington Post. She's their, um, their personal finance columnist, but she has her own like huge following. And she, she talks yeah. at a lot of churches and public events. Um, the color of money, I think is her, her business. Yes, and that's exactly, she came to my church. Um, I actually was, you know, part of uh, putting on a financial event at my church, and we brought her in, and I'm thinking that, you know, I'm a CPA, I know about paying my debt off and everything, and I didn't really realize how much I fell way down by debt until I heard her speak, and she talked about living this financially um, free life, and that, that concept was completely foreign to me, because I knew about you know, paying off debt, but, you know, growing up, you get a car, you get a house, you finance it, everything's financed. Mm -hmm. And so she was, she made the statement about how would you feel if you just own your own paycheck, your whole paycheck. Mm. And I was like, what? Like, I never, (laughs) I never thought about that. I was just like, you know, my check is going to nail net first mark, you know, all these student loans. And, you know, I had a car at the time I was paying off and I was just like, I was like, okay, it's time to like really, you know, get this debt paid off completely, like as fast as possible. And, you know, that's what really lit the fire for me to, to kill the debt. Let's, so let's backtrack a little bit. Um, because I know we, we talked about your engagement. Um, and I, and I wanted to ask, you know, you were accumulating this debt while you were planning at the time to get married and you were living with your partner together. Um, I just wondered if the debt, and you know, you said you ended the relationship. Was the debt, do you feel like the debt played a role or where you were financially play, played a role and and why that didn't work out or did it put stress on that relationship? Yeah, we had two different money mindsets and okay. that was key for me to get out of debt. Um, he was not a saver, I was. And I'm, I'm a budget person, so... Um, You're a CPA. Before, yeah, right? I love my spreadsheets and, you know... You know, I majored in economics. This is what Ooh, I love to do, right? You sound, like my, you sound like my father's shot. He's literally a CPA and majored in economics. I'm like, are you sure you're not in the lead check? <laughs> I got to do I gotta do my ancestry and see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you are definitely Nigerian. I can feel it. But, um, you know, it, he would, it kind of grew. So it wasn't my debt wasn't the problem. Like, he had debt as well. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't honest about how much debt he had. So where I'm, you know, every week I'm like, okay, this is budget, so I'm playing, and you know, he knew my goal was to get out of debt. You know, I knew I, he knew I had this debt, and I'm like, this is what we should budget for. You know, we're planning a wedding, and I, you know, I was like, I don't think we should have a big wedding. Like I, at that point, I'm like, we should just 
you know, elope, have something small, have something in a few years from now, because I would rather buy a house and have a wedding. And he was just like, no, like, you know, he's like, you know, all about having a big wedding, you know, big celebration. And at that point, I knew it wasn't going to work, but I still tried to make it work. But our money mindsets just continued to differ. Um, and I really didn't know what was going on with him financially. I didn't know if he was paying bills, like his his personal bills on time, and I'm paying mine on time. And I eventually found out that he wasn't, mm-hmm. and he wasn't he wasn't honest to me, honest with me at all about any of his finances. That's a form of that's like that's like finding out someone cheated on you in some, in, in some ways that they have yeah. like this these these you know secrets. I mean, how did you find out? I actually found out um, we were living together, and I found out through mail. Um, and I traveled a lot from work at the time, and I, I got I, I seen this mail. I seen a past due amount, and not only not only that, but we lived together, and he was not paying the rent, and I had no idea. And the front office actually called me <laughs> to tell me that our rent was behind and we were about to get evicted. Oh, so and his job was to pay the rent or you guys were, or you were like giving him your half and thinking he was paying the check. Um, he, he was paying the rent and I was paying, you know, everything else but the rent. Gotcha. That was our agreement. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm not thinking I have to, you know, go behind and check on someone who, you know, we live together. So I think you would want to pay that the rent. So I found out about his past due bills first. And then probably a few months later, I found out when I got a call from the front office that, you know, we were pretty much about to get evicted. And that was so embarrassing. Mm. <laughs> Here I am a CPA. And I did not know that my rent wasn't being paid. You know, we live together, we're planning a life together. And that really was like, this is this is it. Wow. So how was I that had, conversation with him when you spoke to him? It was not good. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, apologized and was telling me that, you know, things just got away from him. Um, he had lost his job during our engagement. He wasn't truthful about the income that he was making when he got a new job. And he didn't, he didn't really want to tell me how much money he was bringing in. And so I, you know, I was irate. You know, I was, you know, I felt stupid because I'm like, how can I not know what's going on in my own house? It's not stupidity. You'd be I mean, like so many people are in that position, male, female. It's so common. Like, I mean, at a certain point, you trust the other person or you, you feel like you should trust the other person. Um, I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it stupidity. It was really smart that when you saw those those hints of it, like you weren't ignoring the signs. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you saw the bills and then obviously the the call from the um, the landlord, like you could have just cast that aside or given him a break or whatever. But the fact that you, you know, were smart and strong enough to say, this is not going to work for me. This is not the way I want to build a life. I mean, I think that that takes a lot of guts. It does. But I yeah. want to get to the, the nitty gritty, right? I, I yeah. want to know, like, what, what did you do? Because I think everyone is like, wait, 80,000? How, how do you even begin to dig your way out? <laughs> So after ending the engagement, I moved out and I got a cheap apartment. And right before hearing Michelle Singletary, I was already, you know, budgeting my money. But when I heard her speak, I totally started researching living a debt-free life. And I came across Dave Ramsey's podcast. So this is, you know, late 2012 podcasts were not really on the scene. And I heard about the debt snowball. So I started, you know, I listed all my debts, smallest to largest, and I began paying the smallest loan first and kind of going in that order. Smallest loan after paying that off, going to the next loan. Prior to hearing Michelle Singletary talk about being debt free and Dave Ramsey's method, I was paying, focusing on paying the highest interest rate first. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't making any headway. But it's something mental about when you you pay off a loan. Like, I literally felt like, okay, I can do this. And so I began to work overtime. Um, I had changed jobs, right? You know, right at the beginning of me really starting to really get aggressive about paying off my debt. And there was opportunity to work overtime, which wasn't at my previous employer. So I worked all the overtime I could work. 
Like I, everything, every extra dollar I could get, I put towards my debt. And what was it like? Um, what was the, when you were telling your friends and family about your journey, what was their feedback like? Did you feel like they were supporting you or did you feel pressure to spend even though you didn't want, like you had your own goals in mind? I actually, when I first started it, my friends were not really, they were not supportive. They thought, you know, why would you, you know, put all your extra money towards paying debt? You should invest. Their, their mindset was, if you invest in the stock market, you can get a higher return, a higher interest rate return, and then you can use that money to pay down your debt. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no. That's like saying, let's go to Vegas. You go to Vegas, <laughs> win the jackpot. <laughs> you know, because you just scratch this scratch off, girl. I mean, I don't know about you, but these scratch offs are right. <laughs> That's pretty much, that, that was pretty much their <laughs> process. And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, um, that's not what I'm going to do. And I, it wasn't like I was telling them, like, you know, you guys should get out of debt. That's not what I was saying. I was being honest, like, no, I'm not going to be able to go out to dinner because I'm, you know, I'm really trying to pay off my debt. It was no secret. It was no, like, oh, I'm trying to be, you know, act like I have money and I don't. I'm like, I'm not doing it. And so they were just like, that's just stupid. Like, you know, we're young. We should celebrate our life. And this debt's going to be here forever. Like, that was their mindset. Yeah. I so wonder where they are now. Petty. Yeah, but I was gonna. I, w- I didn't want to say this, Patty. I'm like, I'm gonna let Mandy be Patty. I was like, mm, mm. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably calling Tasha. Tasha, I saw that you paid off eighty thousand dollars in debt. Can we, can we get half an hour on the phone? Well, hey, let me hold something. <laughs> well, what I mean, like, it's hard when you. I mean, social media alone, like when you're trying to focus on paying off your debt and then you see people on Instagram on vacations and you're in your 20s. I mean, I was in my 20s paying. I think we all were in our 20s, early 30s paying off debt. Like it's hard to stay on track when there's so many signals saying you should be doing other things and enjoying life. You said you also had like a special way of rewarding yourself. Can you talk about that? Yep. So after I paid off um, a loan, a student loan balance or whatever it was, I would reward myself by going out of town. Not a lavish trip, <laughs> but a lot of my friends did start to move out of state after college. And so I would go visit a friend that lives in Florida. So I would find a cheap flight, go stay with her for a few days and we would go out, have a good time. But our meals were cooked. We were cooking our meals at her house. You know what I mean? We would go out, you know, once a day, but I was very Still much on my budget being out of state, but that's how I rewarded myself. I would find a flight deal or I would drive to see my friends. I love taking a road trip and putting on a good playlist. Um, friends in Atlanta and Philly, I would just get in my car and drive um, if need be if I couldn't find a deal. And that's how I rewarded myself for paying off a uh, student loan balance. I love it. That's smart. And it's also an experience versus like getting a new dress. That's just going to hang in the closet. or <laughs> Exactly. So to be clear, so one, you know, you had this debt. You said, one, you acknowledged it. Two, you you um, decided to stop digging, like to stop overspending and actually reduce your expenses. And then three, you created a plan, which is the snowball effect. And four, you basically worked the plan and, 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 and expedited the plan where you could by making extra money and throwing more money toward the debt. Is that right? Yes, and one last thing I did forget, I went completely cash. Um, mm. So I was I had the cash envelope, so that that was key. Uh, I um, cut up my credit cards. It was hard for me to cut up um, my main one. Like I would use as as an emergency. Not I need to buy clothes emergency, but like um, when I was in college, everything was on me. So if I had a car breakdown, I I had to figure out how to pay for it. So my credit cards became my you know my savings account hmm. kind of and that's not a good way to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> at all but um I cut up every all the credit card and I stopped using my debit card I literally had regular envelopes that I wrote gas gas money for the weekend entertainment for the weekend gas for work groceries like I literally had an envelope for how I was spending so there was no wiggle room on overspending that's impressive to keep that up for so long Yes. And I, you know what's funny? I actually just found those envelopes too. Did you? Um, <laughs> so you're off the envelope system now. <laughs> but yeah, that you really have to be disciplined to do that. Well, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just your student loans. You also had that car that you were paying off, the credit cards. 
when did you you finally became debt free last February was it or February 2016 right yes February 2016 but you didn't reach out to us till now what was it we talked about this a little bit I want you to I want to hear that I want you I want them to hear this side of the story because I think this is interesting talk about why you know what how you felt when you were debt free about sharing your story I you know what I just didn't think it was that big of a deal I'm kind of you know I'm an introvert I'm kind of like you know keep things to myself. I, you know, I did share on Facebook that I paid off my debt, but that was it. I, I don't, you know, tell everyone like, Oh, I, I paid off all my debt and it's all, all that. And my friend was just like, you have a, an amazing story and it's not normal <laughs> that, mm. you pay, that people pay off all their, you know, paid off all their debt, especially before 30, you know mm. what I mean? And so the last couple of years, like we're working, um, being out and about and volunteering, I do share my story here and there and people are really inspired by it. So I'm starting to own it now um, and really celebrate it. You should. You're a unicorn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) People are not debt free at 30. I think there's always something. It's a car note or a mortgage or, you know, more insidious, a credit card or store cards or private loans or whatever. But yeah, to, to not have, I'm like, debt free, huh? What is yeah. that? I mean, I'm here now, but I never thought, you know, I don't think, I think most people think that they will always have debt in some shape. That shape, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Like they'll say they're debt free, but they may have a mortgage and a car note. But it's like exactly. people don't think of that as debt, even though it is. Yeah. And now you're not just debt free. You also, you launched this business. I mean, I want tell us about Financial Garden and bringing that message to public schools in Detroit, which is so, it's just so, such an amazing way to pay it forward. Yep. So during the journey of paying off my debt, I will say I did eventually find a circle of people that, that were like-minded. You know, when you're in this journey, you feel alone. Um, so changing my mindset by staying motivated with podcasts. And I also did find people uh, other women in my church who were kind of on that same journey. And I was explaining to them like how important it was for people to know like basic financial literacy. And I, I do volunteer a lot in the community and I was complaining about a student, like not knowing how to open a checking account. And I was just venting and my friend was just like, we'll do something to change it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I didn't have a, I didn't have a response. And so long story short, I eventually, um, decided to figure out a way to change it. And I, you know, looked up national standards and wrote out curriculum, volunteered for a year, the curriculum that I created and went, um, went into a school like, and just started doing it. Mm-hmm. I reached out to, um, my mom actually works with schools and I reached out to the administrator and pitched my plan. I was volunteering. I'm like, I just want to see if it's going to work, if it's going to stick. You know, this is like my passion. I like working with kids and, you know, I like talking about finances. Um, I actually double majored in psychology and I was focusing on cognitive development. So it was kind of like coming full circle with, you know, a passion of mine. And they were like, sure, you know, you want to volunteer your time and do this? We love it. So I, you know, I trial and error for a year, uh, getting, getting feedback from educators and the parents loved it. The kids loved it. And so I made different tweaks and I formally founded the company in 2014. That's and awesome. What are some of the things you talk about with the kids? Because I would be like, that's a, I'm terrified of kids, especially teenagers. <laughs> like, that's a tough crowd. I wait for crowd. them to come to me. And then if they do, I'm like, how do I not scare them away? How do I not? Am I cool? Like, whatever. I mean, what? Yeah. Tell me. Tell me how. What's your what's your trick? How do you keep the kids engaged? Um. Well, first, I just naturally love working with kids. It, it It's. You do have to have a gift for it, I think. Get it from my mom and my grandma. <laughs> but I create games for them. Um, so the the six area, I have six areas of focus with the students, um, teaching them about entrepreneurship, budgeting, debt concepts, investing concepts about how banks work. And the main thing is emotions and money. So they have um, they can earn fake money from me and make purchases from me. And so we talk about every lesson how they're spending their financial garden dollars in the in the session so they're rewarded by answering questions correctly through our games through videos and they have the option to you know get prizes at the end they have to save up to get these prizes or they can get on that day 
but they're they're able to make their own decisions on how to spend their money. And you see the kids, you see them. So it's not just like you're doing one session and leaving. Like you actually work with the kids again and again, the same yes. kids. Yes. So I like this school year, I've been in two schools for the entire school year. So the schools can, you know, the different nonprofits that I partner with, they can, they can decide to have me in for a few sessions or the whole school year. It just really depends on what works best for them. But I do have curriculum to go through the whole school year. And so uh, you can really see the progress. So educators can see their kids progress throughout the year and how they've grown. So you know, there's stuff in place to see if this stuff is really sticking with the kids and if it's really having an effect on them. Now, I know you mentioned that psychology and money is so important to you. You literally study psychology and, and economics, right? Yes. So talk to me about the mindsets. I mean, what are some of the the interesting emotions um, behind family finances that you've encountered through your work working with kids? With the parents, the common thing with the parents is they don't, they're embarrassed about their financial situation. So my, I primarily work with schools in the inner city, um, in, in Detroit and surrounding inner, inner cities. And so they're low income families. And so they're like, you know, I don't even have enough. So how am I going to teach my kids about earning money when we're just trying to make it? Mm-hmm. And I and I relate to that. Um, I'm my mom's single mom, grew up in Section Eight housing, so I definitely relate to that. And I explain to them how they can do it. You know, if you if you're working and you're getting money coming in, you're you're paying bills. You know, start having those conversations early. Don't scare them <laughs> about you know what's going on. But when you're making a trip to the bank, explain. You know, this, you know, I go in here to take money in and out, withdraw deposit, just different terms. Also, another factor with parents is they may not do basic stuff like baking. Maybe they're all cash. So just teaching them different ways to have a conversation is what holds them back because they feel like they're just they don't know enough. I love that that you took your experience and you created something to help other people as they go through their experiences. Yes, that's what I love to do. And as if you guys didn't have enough in common already. I know. I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, first name, first name. Right? Um, I, because I'm like, yo, listening to your story, I'm like, oh my God. This is my sister. Not even my sister. Like, Are you guys cousins? Get step by step, everything you're saying, you're like, and then this happened. And then my engagement broke off. So we were like, not really engaged. Like I got a ring, but he was like, we going to get married, girl. And it didn't work out like everything along the way. I'm like, oh my God. And then all that debt and then digging my way out. And it's just, you, you sound, and then the fact that like, you sound exactly like somebody my dad would raise. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm just sitting in awe. Like, who is this girl? Is this me from the future? Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, you were much faster. You learned the lesson much faster than I did. So have kudos to you. Thank you. I love that, you know, that you really have created this, I don't know, this movement from your from what happened to you and you've made it amazing, you know? Do you ever look back and are you like grateful? Like, you know what? I'm actually glad all of this happened to me. I am. Like I am I really I don't know if it's when I turned 30, I had a full circle moment, <laughs> but I just feel like everything happened for a reason. Uh, my grandmother really taught me everything I know about money basics, and she kind of instilled that in me as a kid, and I struggled growing up, and I'm grateful for knowing how to make a dollar stretch. That's why I was able to make the cash envelopes last, because I knew <laughs> from growing up, okay, this is what you have to do. We only have this amount of money, so everything happened for me for a reason. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I hope that it's out there. People know about it now. Um, Keep sharing it because we need to hear it, you know, and the fact that you are, you're not just, you're sharing your story, but you're also doing the work in your own community, like in your own backyard to help people the same, you know, to help people have the resources that maybe you wish you had when you were starting your debt freedom journey is, is fantastic. And I just want to thank you for listening, for, for sending us that message and for doing what you're doing because it's really inspirational. Yeah, when I come to the D, you know we got to chill. <laughs> yes, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, let's do some wins. You know, we just heard from Tasha Danielle, her inspirational story. Um, yeah, my win for today is going to be, well, okay, two wins. One, I got to give a win to my accountant. 
Paul, you know who you are. Paul, who I found on Yelp, um, like four or five years ago, it was a gamble, but he's been amazing. He saved me $900 that New York State asked me for, said I owed them from 2014. Mm. Um, you know, you get those, you know, the IRS basically has three years to come for you if you owe them money, right? So, of course, this is tax year 2017. So the deadline is approaching for them to come get money from people who owe. So I got a letter from them. This is like way back in January saying that I owed like 900 something dollars um, from my 2014 taxes. And of course, I have no idea what happened. You know, 2014, I, don't, I didn't have my accountant yet. Um, and I, I didn't really know where my what my situation was. Like I had used TurboTax or something like that. But all I did was reach out to Paul and I gave him, um, you can go to irs.gov and create an IRS account. Little did I know, if you do that, you have every every tax return you've ever filed, all the information, your entire tax history is there for you. So all I had to do was give Paul that access to that page, and he was able to go and submit a um, – what do you call it? Not a complaint, but a dispute with the yeah. IRS over that $900 tax bill. And a couple of weeks later, I got another letter saying that the tax bill has been forgiven or not forgiven, but um, amended and that I actually didn't owe that $900. And it was a mistake on their end. Yeah, they think they're so slick because mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. The last couple of months I've been getting like, they've been low. So I was like, my accountant was like, honestly, you can sit on the phone for three hours or whatever, or because it literally has been like the last one they sent me was five dollars and four cents. He was like, I mean, you can find it, Tiffany, but I was like, I'm just going to pay the five dollars. <laughs> oh, five dollars. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, you know, but I've been getting them because one was like ten dollars. Another was 20. Literally, they would say this is from like you said, you, they have three years. So they've been going back. This is from 2016. This is from 2015. And but the amounts have all been fairly low, so I didn't fight them. But I've been very annoyed. Like, ugh, why are you going back? Like and saying I owe you five dollars. This is ridiculous. Like, I'll give you five dollars, but stay on my business. And it's I like, doubt that. <laughs> that's not ahead. even humans anymore. I mean, they have cut IRS funding to the point where it's hard to get a human on the phone when you call. Mm-hmm. So it's like they have these computers doing the math. So if you get a bill like that, I mean, it's really jarring. I mean, nine hundred dollars for some people—that yeah. is—that's like their income for the month. I mean, that's a big deal. So you don't. I mean, take a deep breath and then see who can help you. I mean, my accountant only charged like. I mean, all together to do my husband's and my taxes, it was $350, including that, you know, filing a dispute for me to the IRS, which I think was a great deal. Before, when I was single, it was $150. So that's actually less than I think some like H&R Block or Jackson Hewitt might charge you when you walk in off the street. Um, So just by finding like an independent tax preparer in your area – um, who's well-reviewed on whatever sites are recommended by someone, re- get a referral from someone is even better. Um, just, you know, it, to spend a little bit of money, to save a lot of bit of money makes sense. So I think he's worth every penny. Thanks, Paul. <clears throat> and since we're doing accountants, you know what? I'm going to do a win for Carlos, my accountant, who's been my accountant for, for like a super long time. Um, what I love most about Carlos is my sister um, – started using him when she got, I think she got like shares in a company and the company she was working for. And somehow her taxes weren't done correctly and the government was taking her to court. And so he represented her and won. And so since then, uh, we've all just been using him. And I remember the first time I said, hey, I want you to do my taxes. And I was a preschool teacher with no house, no anything. He said, no. He said, because Tiffany, why would you pay me when literally TurboTax is like, it's less expensive do it. It's cheaper. And cause you don't have, you don't have complicated taxes. And if you want, you can show me, you know, what you've done and I can review it. And I just remember thinking like, wow, here's somebody who, you know, really puts customer service above like, you know, temporary profit. And then once my taxes got more complicated, he took me on as a client. And this weekend he actually hit me up <clears throat> a couple weeks ago and said, I want you and your husband to come in to the office. And so we came in on Saturday and I thought he just wanted us to sign our tax returns, which we did. Um, well, one, he's the one who told me, like, you know, definitely file, um, married filing jointly, because after doing the math, I could save $30,000. I said, thank you, Superman, because you truly are super now. <laughs> um, and then two, he told us, now that you guys are buying property, that the, the, the tax laws that are coming, that they haven't made it super clear for, um, for CPAs and tax professionals, but this is what it's looking like it's going to mean for people who are investing, especially in real estate. 
So there were all of these laws um, as it relates to what's called capital gains. And capital gains, as it relates to real estate, is the money that you, the profit you make when you sell a house for more than you bought it for. So like with anything in America, if you make money, you have to pay taxes. But these new tax laws seem to imply that you are actually going to be able to, there's a huge loophole that you can um, make money off of selling a house and literally pay no taxes. And here's how. That if I buy a house, say, for like $100,000 and I keep it for one year and one day and sell it for, say, 300000 after one year and one day or more, then that, that 200000 spread, that profit, I can make that tax-free. And, and I don't have to, sometimes it, before you used to actually have to buy another house in order not to have to pay taxes on it. No, you can just take that in cash. And he was like, that is, he's like, I've never seen anything like this in my career as an accountant, this ability to make wealth without having to pay taxes. He's like, that's insane, honestly. And he was like, what's, what's exciting is that, you know, for those people who are able, you're going to be able to, to buy, fix up, sell, and literally you can have a business that's tax-free. But what's also disheartening is that if people who have the wealth to do that are not paying taxes, who has to pay taxes have to be paid. And so that means it's going to be an additional strain on the middle class. And so just be mindful of that. You so, mean the new tax law that President Trump put in place, you know, benefits mm-hmm. people who are wealthy enough to invest in property? <laughs> I know, exactly. Because that's what he is. But he was like, honestly, Tiffany, he said, think about it. Let's just say you buy a property for a million dollars and then you sell it for four million, you know, and you keep it for a year and a day and you make three million dollars in profit. That's tax free. He's like, that's insane. Three million dollars and zero taxes. And he was like, it, it's, he said it's both scary and exhilarating, but it's just best to know what's happening. And he was just like, um, yeah, so just keep that in mind. If you ever thought about investing in real estate, this is honestly the best time to consider doing so. Um, consider partnering with other people. Consider, like, you know, really sitting down with, you know, your family, your friends to say, this is a time that we can buy something and then sell it and really make money um, and, and not have to pay you know, our 15, 20, 30% um, um, tax rate on um, on this income that we're making. And so I just want to shout out to Carlos for always keeping me abreast of like what is like new and upcoming. What I love about Carlos is that he's socially conscious and that he's like, this is what it means for like, you know, for the average American, but this is how you can freak it to make it work for you. Gotcha. Hey, Carlos. Hey, I know Carlos. Was, he told me, he was like, I said, can I tell people? He's like, yes, but I'm not taking on new clients, Tiffany, because you already sent me the world. So unfortunately, <laughs> Carlos is like, I done told everybody about Carlos. Like, Everybody's like, Carlos, because Carlos is young too. I like to get my financial professionals and doctors on the young side so we could, you can be alive long enough to take care of me my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's kind of morbid, but also smart. <laughs> The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.